<laughs> We're live, people, and that was Zach making it clear he's going to have five more Cheez-Its before we get going here. All right. Got another episode of Soccer Dad Pod here. Um, kind of a gloomy day here in the loo. Um, one of those weird um, springtime, well, wintertime feels like spring then it gets nasty and then it gets cold yeah uh, it's, it's it started out with a ton of rain it stayed rainy until five yeah and now it's clear and not sunny because it's dark but and We're, gloomy is a, an appropriate adjective for today as well oh i see what you did there i see what you did there we um Today's going to be um, in the, in the spectrum of Soccer Dad Pod episodes um, and guest characteristics. We've tended to lean into the tell us your story. You're you're funny. You're good. You were good. You are good. Whatever it might be. Um, and today, um, the good part is 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 definitely definitely applicable. Um, we have guests that. Um, have extensive pro experience as a player uh, in systems currently playing as well. Um, but we're really getting into the, the more um, uh, educational, emotional side of things. Yeah. So a really cool change of pace for all of us. Just trying to figure it all out, Zach, you know? <laughs> like, Especially for those that are out there right now that are single. And... Uh, <laughs> Today's Valentine's Day while we're recording this, so you might not be listening to it on Valentine's Day, but uh, you know, it's it, we're we're trying to be a little more introspective here on this episode. I think, yeah, trying something new as well, a new a new interview style. Yeah, Zoom because they are definitely not in the Central Time Zone. No, yeah, but we're doing this one virtually, so this is our first foray into the yeah virtual side of things yeah so if it goes off the rails um you will probably never hear this intro don't worry uh we'll we'll get him back some other time but i have a feeling it's gonna work so stay tuned a couple um a couple updates couple reminders um first off thank you for all of you that are listening um ironically the numbers apparently don't lie and it seems to be telling a story that um more and more people are listening so thank you uh, if you can give us a follow, you, reviews are great. That really helps dial it in. And, um, you know, it's one of those things that, um, we, without we, with- listeners, we don't, we don't have a show. We would just have dads talking about dumb shit by ourselves <laughs> without microphones. All right. So without further ado, we're going to, we're going to fire this thing up because we've, again, we're using, uh, first time soccer dad pod technology, bringing somebody in virtually. Um, so if you can hold on a second, you can see me through the camera. Give me a thumbs up if you can see me. All right. So you can't see that thumbs up online, but there's a thumbs up. So we're good on that side. Um, what w- way I'd like to roll into this thing, you know, cause we always do the music thing, you know, and I don't uh, guess nod your head if you've listened to any of the episodes and that's a maybe. Oh, that's that's a no. Okay, perfect. So here we go. Good. Um, what we do is when we bring a guest on, we pick kind of a, a walk-up song, right? Baseball style. <clears throat> All over the board. 
And given what these guys are specialists in, uh, tell me what you think, Zach. I, I think I nailed this one. All right, here we go. Go for it. Oh. <laughs> I think, uh, there we go. There we go. Here we go. We got, we, we got bouncing. Very appropriate. Yep. And I know what happened there. First off, uh, guest, you want to name the song? Cypress Hill. Insane in the brain, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah All right. Zach, roll out the intro real quick. Who, who, who do we got and where is he from? So today's guest is Mr. Wells Thompson. All the way from where are you, Wells? Where are you today? Raleigh. Right North in Raleigh. Carolina. Born and raised in Raleigh. Yeah? Winston-Salem. Winston-Salem. I'm so sorry. It, it's North, North Carolina. Yeah, I mean, that's it's good enough for us because anything east of the Mississippi is... <laughs> it's the it's, eastern seaboard. It's, a, it's the east coast. <laughs> could, you be, know? could be Florida. <laughs> could be Connecticut. All eastern seaboard for us Midwest. Raleigh-Durham is just a suburb of East St. Louis, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so how are you doing today, Wells? I'm doing great. So, will they see my face, or is this just all no. audio? Just no, us. we're gonna take we're gonna take just your beautiful voice today. Awesome, um, man. You know, because our listeners, we give them all this stuff for free, and someday we're gonna charge them for our beautiful faces. Yeah, but we're just not quite there yet. Premium content coming soon. Premium content. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, Wells is he can't even he can't even speak looking at us. No, I mean, he's like, oh my god, <laughs> what did I get into? <laughs> I have to say, you guys are two good-looking dudes. Seriously, wow, that's nice. I get it from my wife. <laughs> it, comes from, it comes from her side. We have face for, face <laughs> for podcasts. I love the walkout song, man. It took me back to high school. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I, 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 you know, the, the the theme nature of the show and our guests. Um, oh, we got our other guest here. Yeah, guest guest number two, number one. Just hold on a second because we'll introduce you before you say anything. Thumbs up. Make sure you can hear us. He was getting his face on. There we go. <laughs> well, I, t- I tell you what we'll do here. Hold on. Hold on. Let me let me give you a second walk up song already. No, we'll just do same. Walk oh, okay. Up yeah. Right. Come on. Here sure. we go. Don't you know I'm local? <laughs> there we go. We were, we we're going to do it twice. He, he's bouncing. He's like, oh, my God. These dads are nerds. <laughs> All right. Yeah. yeah, this one this one might have came out before our guest was born. It was probably in his dad's record pile. Maybe, yeah. There we go. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, you know what? I tell you what, listeners, we're going to go ahead and, and introduce guest number two, Zach. There you go. So our second guest coming to us uh, is Morgan Hackworth. And so, Morgan, where are you, where are you dialing in from today? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm in San Diego, California right now. It's oh. pretty much the same weather as here, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Surprisingly, today it is. It's been stormy and cold, and I'm like, what is this? I didn't sign up for this. But. Well, I think it might have something to do with you agreeing to be on this show for a little bit. You completely ruined your day on so many levels. It affected your weather. <laughs> the karma. <laughs> so, so, so thanks for letting us ruin your weather day out there in San Diego. <laughs> um, so... you. We've, uh, Wells, we went back and forth a little bit um, uh, about the show, me reaching out, um, inquiring about you participating. 
because I think that it's something, uh, what you guys do, what your organization does, uh, Soccer Resilience, and for those of you that are listening, Soccer Resilience is the company founded by Wells uh, and his team. Um, and you, you know what? I tell you what, give us give us the elevator pitch just so everybody can kind of get a feel for the, the first two, three sentences of Soccer Resilience. What it, What is it? What do you do? And who does it help? So does everyone on the show know soccer? <laughs> we hope. Yeah, if okay. not, then these numbers, I have no idea why they're... T- maybe, they, maybe they really like the walk-up songs or something, but... So, for, for those of you who don't, there's four pillars of U.S. soccer. technical, tactical, physical, and mental or psychosocial. So what soccer resilience does is we're your solution for training the fourth pillar. Most people don't train the fourth pillar. don't know how. They don't engage in it um they minimize it right and so that's where we come in we're your club-wide solution to training the fourth pillar so in layman's terms or parent terms that you guys help make our kids not just freak all the hell out going through this process basically yeah yeah so yeah so the the (laughs) onus usually gets put on the players uh, but we also work with parent uh, parents and coaches as well yeah right holistically impact and and change the world know what i'm saying yeah insane no insane in the brain man um so i i I thought and zach and i talked about this leading into um this particular episode we knew we knew a while back that we wanted to find a way to integrate this part of the conversation bringing in specialists that 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 deal in it daily that deal in it at a very very high level with the staffs with the parents and the players in particular because a a large common theme uh within our show and through our guests it has to deal with um the competitive nature of uh of soccer in particular today and what the kids go through um with kind of the elevated expectations the elevated competition um the to a degree the the lack of relationship between some clubs and players in a, in while focusing on development you know over the typical you know oh we got great parents we go on tournaments together and have fun with our you know you know where that's all kind of taken out of the equation so i wanted to bring you guys on um so that our listeners which is predominantly soccer parents, uh, you know, based on the text messages I get. I don't know about you, Zach, right? Yeah, I would say that most of them have (laughs) some relationship to soccer and mostly through their parentage. Yeah, so what I was hoping to do today is get some of your guys' background, your a little bit of your personal experiences, uh, you know, just to kind of set the table so that people understand where you're coming from as players and in, in, in up you know in, into the levels that you that you did you are you want to and wh- where soccer resilience in that process at what point did that come into play and talk about it kind of in today's terms yeah and i know morgan's strapped for time he's got a jet in 20 minutes um so you want to lead us off morgan there you go sure there you go. Toss ball. This. yeah um yeah, for me, you know, joining Soccer Resilience, I went through so much to get to where I am today. And I went through times where I wanted to quit playing soccer altogether. I went through times where I felt like I was on top of the world, you know, had everything figured out. And um, it was really tough. My, my entire path was 
a lot of downs, um, more so than I expected. And for me, um, now a fifth year pro, um, four years in San Diego now, um, and working with Soccer Resilience for almost like a year and a half now, I just came to realize, man, if I can share just some of the pieces, some of the things that I've gone through with youth players that I know are going through similar things that I experienced and can help them to understand, hey, like it's okay when this happens, when you feel this way, it's okay. Um, just sharing some of my stories um, with teams or younger youth players, that really helps them to understand, okay, it's not just me, right? And growing up, I was going through this path and wondering, man, am I doing it right? Um, I'm failing so much. Is this what it's supposed to feel like? You know, and with soccer resilience, it's been so amazing to have now tools that I use every day for myself, um, little techniques that I've learned um, through soccer resilience and then can teach to these kids as well, because I didn't have anything to hold on to that was like, here's my technique or here's something that I do when this happens. And a lot of it was just experiences that I've gone through. Um, but now with soccer resilience, it's amazing because you have, you have tools. We say you can take back control. So it's the coolest thing to me about being a part of soccer resilience today. Um, being able to work with youth players, especially because I just know how tough it is, how demanding it is. Um, and so, yeah, to have tools now to give to these kids is, is awesome. Well, if, if you could, if you could just take a second and kind of re rewind the tape a little bit so that a lot of our listeners can kind of get a better feel for um, kind of where you come from, because obviously you've got a soccer family. Um, yeah. You know, just give us a quick one on one on the family pedigree, uh, you know, where you grew up you're quickly through your club years and you land it. Uh, on the pro level and, you know, and then we can get into the transition if you don't mind. Of course. Yeah. You probably, yeah, should, you probably should just start to where your dad played at Wake Forest. That'd be a good start point. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's where it starts is at Wake Forest, my whole journey. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, well, Wells took it really far back. I'm not going to go that far back, but um, I'll take you to high school. Um, we lived in Philadelphia, so I played for the Philadelphia Union Academy from the age of 15 till I was 18. Um, so I was in the MLS Academy system. Um, I was a captain both, uh, on the under 16s and the under 18s. Then I committed to college. I went to, um, the university of Syracuse for two years, transferred to the university of Akron for my final two years of college. Um, I went to three final fours, one college cup, didn't win it once, which sucks, but <laughs> Um, and then I went pro and, and got to play for Memphis 901 my first year. And now I've been on San Diego loyal for the past four years now. Um, and through that journey, uh, like Wells just mentioned, my dad went to wake. Um, my dad is the assistant coach, um, on St. Louis city FC. Um, he was hired to be in the front office and you, has done well. You, you so can say his name. It's not like Voldemort or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow. I didn't even say his name. Um, John Hacker. <laughs> his name. No. Oh, okay, so now everybody's I'm, like, oh, okay, now we'll listen to this kid, you know. <laughs> hey, um, well, let me ask you real quick. Uh, you know, I got to bring it up because he was a, he was a, he's a friend of mine, was on a, a guest a few episodes back. Did you play um, under uh, Jared Inbeck? Yes, I did. Yep. Yeah, he's a, we went to school together. He's a great oh, nice. high school kid, so... That's awesome. He is uh, one of the best coaches I've ever had. 
by, well, by far. So, so let so let me ask you this then, because obviously having a dad um, that has had and continues to have the success that he's had, you playing up into the academy system there in Philly, moving on to extremely high level D1, and now you're in your fifth year pro. Um, if you had to kind of balance out or uh, weight the value of what you yourself um, is basically help teach and bring to youth players, the mental side, how important is it kind of in, in, in grand terms and how much do you think it would have helped you or benefited you if you would have had it 10, you know, eight, 10, 12 years ago? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, for me, it's, it's, it's everything. I completely attribute why I'm a professional soccer player today because of my mental side of the game. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm the most talented or the best player in my age group or whatever. Um, but I persevered. I went through a lot and I worked harder. I grinded more than other guys. I wanted it really bad. And um, because of those things, I've gotten to where I am today. So to just emphasize to younger players that go through really tough times or hard spells or tough injuries, it's to say that, you know, at times you're not always going to feel like you're the best player on your team, and that's okay. You know, yeah. having these mental strategies, the person here are, are almost more important. So I sat through several sessions with Wells. As a as a parent of one of the the kids in the program, and this podcast we're in our what twentieth? I, I I don't even know. I think twenty six twenty sixth episode, which is crazy that we've gotten this far. But the connective we thought tissue, we were done at twenty five or yeah. twenty five ago. The connective tissue is kind of crazy because we we've had you know Morgan, your dad has been referenced on multiple episodes. Wells, you've been influential in the fact that. We have, you know, seen you and talked to you over the last, you know, six months. JB knows Jared and Beck and and you guys, the Wake Forest connection, all these different things. But what I'm really interested in from you, Morgan, is the perseverance. You keep using that term. You talk about the failures and the things you've gone through. What role did your parents play in helping you get past where you were, or or did they? Because honestly, that's I, I, it's the thread for our whole. Our yeah, whole show. I, I was I, I was kind of wondering like how how bad must those car ride home, you know, as as a young club player, like oh my god, what is dad gonna say, right? So yeah, this is a, that's an awesome question. I see well smiling because he's heard this story a million times, and it's really special. But you know, the car rides home with my dad were like terrible i'd be like don't talk to me i know you're a soccer coach and you're a pro or whatever i i don't care i'd be like seriously i'd be like you're just my dad i'll listen to my coach whatever and i had that really bad attitude growing up and i was just like okay i hear you like i'll check my shoulder more you know but um i would kind of brush it off and as i got older i really started to understand the value and that was when i was like 15 16. And then I was growing up and I'm like, oh, wait, he's actually right. I should check my shoulder more. And then I'm like, oh, the things he's saying are actually really important. So, so you're saying so the issue was the delivery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my dad, you know, it was a simple factor. It was nothing more than that. But um, no, as I got older, I really started to value 
what he would tell me so much more. And I would then start to be, you know, go to him to ask for, what did you think in this player? What did you think I should have done here? And it became really, really valuable to me. And the most important thing that, like you asked, he ever did for me in my career was um, I was about to quit playing soccer in my sophomore year at Syracuse. I was done. Hadn't played for two semesters at Syracuse. I went in bright-eyed as a freshman. I thought that I was going to you know, be ACC player of the year. I had all these dreams I wanted to do and then go pro, and none of it happened. I didn't play a minute my sophomore year. So I went through this terrible time of being like, oh, my friends are signing homegrowns and playing and, you know, they're so successful. And here I am. I don't have a minute to my name in college. And I was done. I was just like, I'm done playing. Um, you know, I always wanted to be a soccer player, but this just isn't for me. And I had a, one phone call with my dad that changed it all because he reminded me of that. He said, what have you always wanted to do? And I was like, you know, I always wanted to be a professional soccer player. He's like, you've worked since you were five, six years old to get to this point. And you can't let one bad period of time uh, define your entire career. And I was like, yeah, he's right. And I hated him for that in that moment because I was like, can you just let me have this? Like, let me fold, let me quit, let me walk away. And he was like, um, just remember what you've always wanted to do. And I was like, all right, you know what? I got to try. I got to try again. So that's when I made the decision. I'm like, all right, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to transfer. I'm not going to go to a worse or D1 school. I'm going to go to a better program. I'm going to, you know, I was so scared I was going to fail again, but I was like, all right, I just got to give it one more try. And um, it ended up being the best decision I ever made. Obviously, wouldn't be here talking to you guys um, today. I love and that story. was a big tribute to what my dad said on that phone call. So that's great. Um, you know, massive. I appreciate that. That, And I know, Wells, you, you've heard that before, but it just solidifies you making a good choice and hiring Morgan as well. Because I think what we heard from, from Jeff Sargent, which is mm-hmm. Josh's dad, we asked the question, who was the most, in your opinion, who was the most influential coach that Josh had? He said, without pause, John Hackworth at IMG in the residency yep. academy. And so the pedigree you're coming from and the fact that you're now, you know, giving advice and, and talking to these kids, my kid, and talking to so many people, I, I, I see maybe, I don't know what your future plans are, coaching may be in your future post playing career or, 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 or you know, taking over for Wells <laughs> at some point. <laughs> but uh, I just wanted to, to thank you for that because that story's great and and. My second question to you, Morgan, really is about that transition. You know, you went from the Philly Union into a, a, a highly, rec, you know, recognized D1 program at Syracuse. Not a great sophomore year. You make the transition to Akron, another high-profile D1 school. One of the things that a lot of our, our, our boys and our parents are always thinking about is changing teams and what that's like, what that feels like to move from a comfort zone, which you were the captain for the Philly Union Academy team. And then you go to, to Syracuse, and then you go to Akron, and then you, you, you have you know, your initial starts within professional soccer. And I want to get to that as well. But can you talk about that mental preparedness to jump into a new locker room and, and get your feet under you and how you embolden yourself with the new team? Yeah, it's um, it's really important to be to be ready 
um, you know, like Wells has always hammered this into my brain now about what is confidence, right? It's your level of preparedness. It's not just like how good you feel, right? So you can go in and go into a new locker room or go to a new team and you can have this false sense of confidence sometime that is just like, how good do I feel, right? I was uh, the captain of the Philadelphia Union, like you said, and I was going into college thinking, honestly, I was like, I can go play with these guys and I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to be a starter and then I'm going to play. And that was my confidence. It, see how it wasn't really based on anything, but my ego and my sense of how good I felt. But um, what I should have been doing, right, is, is getting more prepared physically, um, mentally, being ready to what happens if I don't play? Am I going to be ready for that? You know, am I going to be ready to bounce back from going through a tough spell or whatever. So it's really important. Right. And, um, when you make that transition and right. So I had that from them Philadelphia union to Syracuse and I knew what was wrong. I was like, that was false sense of confidence. That was, um, a false idea of how my career was going to go. Right. It was just going to go like this. And then when I was ready to go to Akron and transfer there, I just knew I had to work every day i was like i have to work today and it was in the gym it was on my craft it was getting better it was then deciding you know i was committed to my goal at that time i was like i'm failure is is not an option this time i'm gonna really work and so for me it's it's such a massive component and it's not even to say that when i went to akron everything was perfect and you know it was just amazing then because i made this decision no there were like a ton of little failures in between all of those and, you know, Jared saw me go through a lot of these. And, but the thing was, I stuck with it. You know, I was ready for those setbacks then. And um, that's kept me persevering today, right? That's kept me being mentally ready for professional teams and new locker rooms and new guys always wanting to take the shirt off your back, you know? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, real, real quick, I just want to finish yeah, one thing. So, Wells, you hired Morgan. <laughs> while he was a, a, a live peer review yes oh, this is a first so I, i'm just curious you know, <laughs> what was it about him um was it the connection with wake forest <laughs> was it uh wh what what was it that stood out to you about morgan that said you know what i'm gonna put my brand on his back and let him talk for me and my company because that's a big ask uh, and, and I just want to get your thoughts there. And I know Morgan, you have to, to bounce here in a second, but I want to let Wells chime in here. Yeah. So I actually blame it all on Dr. Brad. Um, it's good though. Like I, Dr. Brad's really the one that hired Morgan. Uh, it's Dr. Brad and hack go, uh, Morgan's dad go back. They played together in college. And, uh, it's funny that like every now and then me and, uh, me and Dr. Brad will be talking about Morgan and then Brad will be like, I remember like holding him and he was a little baby and wants to save him. <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, and I was like, well, did, did you joke around? Like, you know, he'd be working for you one day, you know, like, uh, <laughs> you're you so know, cute. Like, you're going to uh, be working for me. <laughs> and I was like, no, I didn't do that. But like, it's, it's, it's been incredible. I mean, I think that, um, you know, I'm one of those guys that thinks like everything's really easy. And so when I started a business, I'm like, this is going to be so easy. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like parenting's easy, you know, like everything's easy. Uh, and it's really hard. Um, but I've just realized, I mean, it's everything comes back to people, right? Yeah. Um, 
the quality of people and Morgan has just exceeded that. And I wouldn't say that. I'm not saying that just because I can see his face right now and look at him like <laughs> um, he cares. And I think when we look at who we want to join soccer resilience, right, it's it's elite soccer people, um, but it's also people that have a heart for other people. Right. They care. They want to share their platform. They want to leverage their platform to share their story and give back to people. And Morgan's done that. And actually, what's really, really cool for me to see is my dad. My dad tells me this quote all the time is so true um, when when one teaches to learn. Right. So in 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 a, in a sense, you're getting you're able to see Morgan reaching out to other kids and helping them and influencing them and also Morgan growing at the same time. Right. That's great. And then I'm also growing for Morgan. And that's what's really cool about what I'm what where I sit is like I'm able to learn from all these people. Right. Like I'm like I'm basically like, God, I wish I knew that when I was a pro. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, but but I'm, but I'm again uh, applying the things to my life now. You know what I mean? I'm always quoting the, the, the guys and or the girls as well, because we have some amazing female players as well. So. I forget where your original question was, but uh, we didn't really have one. Just keep going; it's all good. Yeah, it's been awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's been it's been super cool. Like I think the the, the I, and Lindsey Vaughn says it best: uh, retiring from pro sports is like a death that I think you grieve for the rest of your life. And obviously, it affects people to different degrees, but it has extremely affected me. Like really, identity shift. Don't know who I am, and so the the joy and the passion I get from like just sharing my story with people like Morgan, like, Hey man, do this. i God, I wish I would have done this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there's, there's so much. And that's what really the, the, the number one reason why Dr. Brad and I started soccer resilience is turning our pain into purpose. Right. I believe Love firmly that. that we don't just go do things for ourselves, but for other people as well. Let me do this real quick. Cause I want to kind of set the table a little bit as far as like, our experience as parents within an academy that you guys are working with, and, and you work with a multitude of clubs across the country, right? So just to kind of paint a picture for those that are listening, uh, you got Soccer Resilience uh, was introduced to us through City SC. Uh, you guys set up um, uh, basically uh, group Zooms with the kids and with the parents, separating the two. Um, and early on, um, there was uh, this hyper-focus on uh, fixed versus growth mindsets, right? Uh, because at this stage of the game, especially for 14-year-olds, you know, these, these, these young teens, it's, they project, you know, what they feel to their environment, right? Um, and so you guys do that. You go through the process. You, you work with kids and parents to help give tips and tricks and really focus it, make it real, make it applicable. And then there's another layer to it that we personally, um, you know, in, in Beckett is, Beckett's my son, actually, that, you know, Morgan, you've, you've spoke to him a few times. Um, and you have the ability to kind of laser out the kids and, and talk to them as well specifically to whatever they might be having uh, issues or questions or they're just looking to improve. So here's the question. Through that process, how do you guys um, deal with having been and are pro players, right? How do you deal with the reality of puberty? <laughs> you know, <laughs> young boys, young girls that are going through so many other things in addition to the things that you, you know, you Morgan in, in particular at this time dealing with in real time, how how do you how do you do that as an organization, as mentors, as one-on-one, -on -one, you know, con conversation drivers? 
how do you, how do you focus on the young mind um, in order to make it real and make it accessible, you know, and to focus on that growth? Yeah, it's a good can I talk yeah. about one-on-ones first and then you can talk yeah. about groups in the broader scale? For me, sure. like doing one-on-one sessions and, you know, especially with Beckett, but all the clients that I've worked with, I have been so impressed by their level of maturity. Um, like seriously, when I look back at, you know, whatever age my clients are that I work with on one-on-one sessions, I'm always amazed because I'm like, you know, one of the things that we do is try and instill uh, that trust first. Right. And then we want to be vulnerable with each other so that we can be serious and have, have this relationship then grow. And it just always amazes me because I learned so much from doing those one-on-one sessions. When I go back and understand and I'm like, man, this really messed with me when I was your age. And then I hear them say, you know, yeah, it's tough too. Um, but this really helps. And I'm just like, that's amazing because if you just have a little tool that helps in those hard moments, right? Like I'll give you like breath work. Um, Wells told me one day you should start meditating. He's like, how serious do you want to take your career? And I was like, I want to take it really seriously. He's like, then you should be meditating every day. I was like, Oh, I should. Now I'm meditating every day since that conversation, you know? So when I work with these one-on-one clients, I'm like, you know, do you feel that stress or performance anxiety? And yes. Then do you do breath work? Do you understand that to calm yourself is to help your mind? And then when they're like, oh, I'll go try it. And then they do. For me, that's like understanding the growth and being so impressed with youth players right now that are, you know, taking these steps and taking these tools in their stride to grow. I think it's awesome to see. Well, if you could work on Beckett uh, uh, meditation time between 8.50 and 9.15 so that we can get the other one down, that'd be awesome. You know, it's, got it. all right. Okay. We got notes. <laughs> And then, and then the group yeah. side of things. Sorry, I you know it's Wells on the on the group side. You know when you when you when you open up and you start to focus on um, some of the basics of you know, the mental acuity and etc. You know how how do you how do you walk into a Zoom with eighteen to twenty you know teenagers staring at you like what the hell is this? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I want to be very clear. I'm not a psychologist. Neither is Morgan. Like, we stay in our own lane, right? Dr. Brad is the psychologist, and he's really the original OG of soccer resilience. Um, one of the things I tell my team all the time is, like, um, is it's half art, like half knowledge, right? Like, we've got to figure out a way to keep kids' attention and capture their attention, right? And so, really, you think about how we're wired and how we're cre- created and psychologically, right? We're created to tell stories, mm-hmm. right? So, that's that's literally what we're doing. We're telling our story and using our story to illustrate points, right? And hopefully driving to, like, I'll ask you guys this. We ask everyone this question. It's great to get it on the podcast. How much of life and sport do you guys, do you guys think stems from the mind? Like, there's no right or wrong answer, but what, what percentage would you put on it? Right. And you've, you've probably already been asked this question, you, but we'd love to hear it. Again. You go first. I'm going to do chat GPT. <laughs> How much of life? Say that one more time. Wells. How much of the game? And we just kind of, we put it together because life, like you don't separate it, right? Sure. Like how much of the game, how much is life yeah, is lived in the head, you know, or stems from the mind. Oh. <clears throat> or is mental. Uh, 75 plus percent. Yeah. I mean, as 
you know, as as a uh, a youth player, club player, whatever, it's the 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 mind envisioning the game, envisioning the opponent, envisioning even the conversations, all of it. Like I would I would structure a pregame approach getting into even, you know, the early minutes of the game, I'm still just kind of like trying to visualize the chess pieces, you know, down, down yeah. to, you know, <laughs> who am I going to talk trash to? You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> I, everything for me was up here until, you know how they say like in football, it's not really a game until you get hit. You know, it, it, that's kind of yeah. like, I think that sport in general and soccer, um, if it, if it's not predominantly in the head, it's you, you, you might struggle. Well, and I think your comment earlier about confidence and false confidence and how Morgan, your confidence was rooted in ego, not in preparedness. I think that's something that afflicts a lot of kids today. Uh, they see, you know, the, I am him statements from athletes all across multiple sports. They see, all these Instagram posts and Twitter and all these things where guys are just or girls are just blowing it out. And they think that that's what it's all about. They see the end result. They don't see all the stuff that was going on. And to me, that's part of the mental piece that is really difficult for me as a parent to kind of try to illustrate and and talk through. And that's why I like the program because it requires them to think about those things. So yeah, I, I I don't know what the percentage is. I, I hope you're going to tell me. Yeah, just but. correct correct everything we just said because we are we are not we are also not psychologists. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> well, and really, the point of the question is not to figure out what the percentage is. The percentage is what you think it is, right? Like, yeah. The, 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 and you said the word uh, think, right? We want to get the kids or whoever we're we're speaking with and ourselves to think about it, right? Like, how much does it really play into this? And so there, there's kind of two parts that I go here. I go like really enhanced performance. Like, well, do you want to be a pro? Right. And one of the questions I love asking people, Hey, raise your hand. If you want to be a pro like clockwork, everybody raises their hand. Right. Yep. They don't understand what it means to be a professional athlete. They just think it's cool. Right. Or it makes a lot of money or gets a lot of women or gets a lot of dudes. Right. But they don't understand the sacrifice, the hard work, the freaking man, it's freaking hard. Right. And then you go to the other side of this, like, the, we, you see the same percentage as we see, right? 95% of youth athletes don't play in college. Oh, is that not astounding to you? Yeah. Right. And then we go, how many college athletes go on to play pro? Right. <laughs> and so we live like in this world that like, oh my God, everybody's going to go pro. Right. And we, we professionalize everything, you know? And so really what we're trying to get the kids to do is, is think is to have an identity outside of sport. Right. Yep. And we're leveraging the tool, which is soccer ball to go, Hey man, we could teach you some really cool things about life because you're all going to be human beings for the rest of your life. But- I'm I'm glad you brought up in in that light because how important is um, multi sport athlete, uh, multi sport participation, or just simply um, hobbies or you know all those other things to to add to the regimen? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. I think about this all the time, but like, and I'm going to get to your question. Um, but the question of how did you make it to be a pro? Like you realize that I love Jesus and my faith plays a big part into what I do. 
But like, man, I have no idea. There's a million things that line up for me to be a pro. Were there a lot of people that were better than Wells Thompson playing growing up that just didn't have a chance? Absolutely, hundred percent. Like, but like a whole lot of things have to line up for that to happen, right? And and we do. We want kids to chase their dreams and go after those and those sorts of things and believe that you can achieve them, right? That's key to reaching what you want to reach. Um, what was your original question? Oh, identity outside of sport. I think it's massive, right? I think it's like. I think it's massive, right? Um, I think the, the the issue for me was I was just a soccer player my whole life, man. And people still think of me as a soccer player, right? And so um, I we think that balance off the field creates enhanced performance on the field, right? Like figure out what you care about, your interests, your hobbies, and your passions. So you're not just dwelling and living in, right? Because our brains tend to go towards the negative, right? right. The negativity of how, you know, a, a past, right? That's what, I, that's what got tripped me up as a pro. It'd be like, Man, I had one bad session and it just sent me into a spiral for two weeks of like, you suck, Wells. You know, and it's like, no, that's not the truth, man. You just had a bad session. Move on. All right. So. I tell you what, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break um, and we'll be right back for uh, some more insight. Thanks. We'll be right back with Wells. Hey, everyone. JB here with Soccer Dad Pod. This break is intended to be both informative and an opportunity. Little did you know that we are accepting sponsors, really. And as a sponsor of the show, you would get to talk to a demographic primarily consisting of parents, some soccer fans, and most definitely drinkers. Consider this an opportunity to let our listeners and social media followers know what it is you do and why you deserve some of their money. If interested in this incredible opportunity, just email us at soccerdadpod at gaslightstl.com. Now, back to the mindless banter. All right, people. We're back. Any guesses here? Guests? Guests on the tune? Zach? I, I, I dad. What's that? Sounds familiar. Sounds like ACDC, but look. It's from the 80s hairbands playlist on Spotify. Song number one Shelter Me by Cinderella. Oh, Cinderella. It's not on your greatest hits list? Um, no, it's not. Here you go. Right? right? Now you remember. Oh, uh, no. This is skating rink gig. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Wells is like, damn, where's Morgan? I, I should have been the one that had no, a like meeting. You guys, I like you guys. You have fun. That's, <laughs> wow. Fun is good. Fun we, is good. I, well, it's okay. So, so I appreciate that because, I mean, the reality is, and we were just talking about this a little bit offline, and obviously the first part of the show, you, you know, we're really addressing um, the role that mental preparedness, um, paying attention to, um, mental state plays in, you know, the competitive athletes process, soccer players in particular, based on your guys' experience. But, you know, we having fun with these conversations, uh, you know, Zach and and Jared, who couldn't make it tonight, our other co-host, we talk about this show and our guests and what people are gleaming from it uh, often, uh, ironically, to actually improve, <laughs> to, yeah. to, to learn. 
And <laughs> and I do think it's a little things like the you know playing playing the tunes and messing around with that. We 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 need to keep this light because the seriousness of the game of the process. <laughs> It's a game. It sinks everybody. I mean, not only the kids that you guys work with and, and, and the coaches and the staff, because, you know, I can't imagine being part of a coaching staff that, you know, at that level, uh, because basically win or see ya, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is what it is. And oh, by the way, you know, leave your check on the table, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. one of those things. So, you know, uh, we really want to try and keep this light and... Run, run me a parallel in, in the work that you guys do, because you're dealing with a lot of sensitive individuals that are that are concerned with what's next, what you know, what's their trajectory, and you know, is this guy taking my spot, or is, you know, is, is this girl going to get the contract, and I'm not, and all these things. How do you keep it light when you're dealing and and trying to help these kids through the process, because you know, at surface level, when you say, "Hey, let's let's talk about your your mental state and how it can help you," a lot of them aren't even going to get that. It's going to take a while for them to even understand what that means. So, how do you keep this process fun? Yeah, it's a great question. I, mean, I was actually just talking to my therapist about that today. My wife's like, she's like, "Well, you can never have a serious conversation," and I've actually never truly thought about it till recently. Like, I think it's actually. Uh, like a very good coping mechanism for life. Right. And I don't know if I necessarily do. I think that God created me that way. I, I like to have fun. I like to goof off. Right. Um, so it's a good question. I think what we do is we just bring our personalities to it. Um, you know, a lot of people think because we're soccer resilience, we have a psychologist like on, in our group, like it's going to be really serious. Right. Like, Oh my God, we got to sit here and we got to be serious and talk about our feelings. Um, and I don't just don't think that's necessarily the case. Right. Uh, at the end, you said it best, right? At the end of the day, it's just a game, right? And 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 you'll know this. You'll learn this about me. I am a massive UFC fan. Ultimate Fighting, I love it. Like Poirier <laughs> uh, is my my hero, and I'll never forget. So, like, we'll share these stories. Right? This is a story that I share with guys. Like uh, Dustin Poirier was fighting Charles Oliveira for the the lightweight belt, right? And Dustin's coach was inter was being interviewed, and and Dustin's coach said man, I know Dustin's at his best when he's having fun in the gym. So think about that for a second, right? Dustin Poirier is going to go get locked in a cage with a guy that can legitimately kill him. And he's talking about having fun in training. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm like, Oh God, that is that talk about performance enhancement, have fun. Right. Like I think about when, uh, when I was really struggling, that's the evolution of soccer resilience for me is I struggled a lot. I had a good career and that's a mindset shift for me guys. But like depression, like uh, uh, eating disorder, like a lot of crap, right? And and a part of it was I just wasn't having fun anymore, right? It became a job. It became so serious, right? And I'll think back to one of my greatest teammates ever. He actually just retired this year. His name's Drew Moore. Right? He played. I think he played 19 years professionally. 19 years, 18 or 19 years, right? And the thing I remember most about Drew Moore, regardless of his situation, he was smiling and having fun. Right, the fiercest competitor you've ever met in your life, but like off the field, no matter what happened, he's having fun and he was grateful and thankful and joyful. And I'm like, man, I know that's a part of why he played so long. Yeah. So, so let, let let's stick on that for just a second because it's, <clears throat> you know, when you talk about the fun uh, component, I mean, how cliche is it? And, and and Zach, back me up on this. 
you know, as parents with little ones and even as a little one growing up. And I remember, you know, my mom and dad being in the car and you have a bad day or your, your child has a bad day. And it's like, you know, I just I just want to make sure you're having fun. Right. <laughs> and at some point when you become more competitive or your child becomes more competitive, why is it so hard for parents to still focus on that part of it? Because because it is, it's one of those things. It's cool and cliche when they're young or they're progressing, or maybe they're struggling, like, well, I just want you to have fun, right? But then when they're very, very competitive and they're competing at a much higher level, you know, we y- y- people don't say that enough. Yeah, but I, I think part of it, though, is, and I, I, I've referenced this many times already tonight, because the, it's, it's just emboldened, not, it's the wrong word, it's just ingrained in my head what you said about, or what Morgan said about you, you and the confidence piece and preparedness. If Dustin Poirier isn't prepared, he's not having fun because he's getting his ass kicked. Well, that's different. It's, no, it's not. It's not there different. There goes my jaw across It's the, It's not different because not it's, you think about the boys on the field right. or in whatever uh, industry you're in, whatever activity you're doing, if you're not doing it well, and you're getting your ass kicked. Does this apply to accountants? It's not fun. Yes. <laughs> it applies to anything. And so I think pushing them to have fun is a good tactic. I say this to my son every time. Have fun. Train hard. That's every practice. But I can't make him have fun. He has to have a way to find that joy. So my kind of parlay question is, how do you help them, Wells, to find that joy again? Meaning, what what tools and, and tips, and you don't have to give the, the farm away, I want you to still make money, but what kind of ideas can you give our listeners that can help JB's question around, what is it that can inspire and refine, rekindle that joy? Yeah, it's, and you're, you're, you're so right. Fun is an ambiguous word and means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Winning is fun as hell. Yeah. Right? You want to win. Like that's the point of the game, right? You want to win. You want to go out there and win, right? That's that's fun. Um, the guys, the longer I do this, it sounds so simple, but it comes back to two words, and it's process and present. Right? If you can focus on the process and you can be present as much as possible, right? And so, I, like I, I think about this in my business, right? And I was in again, like I I go to therapy, guys. Like I, drugs and alcohol is a big part of my story. I've been in therapy since I was 14. I think you don't go to therapy. What's wrong with you? You know what I mean? Like everyone needs, <laughs> yep. everyone has a therapist, whether it's a dog or a best friend or a podcast they listen to, right? <laughs> like, like soccer you know. dad. But yep. what, I was, what I was saying was like, <laughs> I, I'm really working really hard to find success on this side of my goals, sure. right? And we, we have it backwards, right? We think when we'll become a pro, we'll be successful. When we're the captain on the team, we're going to be fulfilled, right? Yeah. And and guys, I, don't, I was telling my therapist, I don't remember much in my life, but I'm, I'll never forget. It was my rookie season in New England. We uh, we made it to U.S. Open Cup Finals. Um, this was a team that had lost three MLS Cup Finals in a row. And uh, we won. We won the U.S. Open Cup, right? I scored the game-winning goal to give the Revolution their first ever trophy in the history of the organization, right? And I'll never forget, guys. I'm in my hotel room. I look at my roommate and I go, man did you think it would feel better than this? Mm. Right. And I I can like, I can picture myself where I was in Dallas, Texas, talking to Adam Chrisman who played at UVA and was a rookie with me. 
because my expectations were so uh, bigger than reality of that, right? And 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 again, just going back to the process, right? If if you can enjoy the process, right? And 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 I'm I can apply this to my life. You can apply this to the podcast, right? Um, like there are times where we get uh, we have a presentation, me and Brad, and we're like five people showed up, and we'll get off, and the whole presentation, guys, was on process, right? Not focusing on the outcomes. Right. And we get off and we go, can you believe there were only five people on there? Right. And so, right. And, yeah. and, and the hard part about this guys is like, and, and goes back to the question I asked you earlier, what part of what percentage is mental? Your guy, your, your sons are at practice right now, right? Yes. God, we hope their so. Body, their bodies are practicing over yeah. and over and over and over again, every single day, what they, what they need to do in a game and they're performing it. Their bodies know how to do it. Right. But sometimes when they get to the game, they're like, their brain gets in the way, right? So it's figuring out how we can let our bodies do what we're training them to do, right? Yeah. Which is, again, like everything in life, it's my pet peeve of mine. No, I, 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 I love that analogy of kind of painting, you know, in, in a progression. You know, if you've got a spectrum left or right where typically most people think at the far right side is the goal, right? And that's the finish line. And on the other side of that, you know, you really don't, you, you don't define what's on the other side of it other than saying that is your success metric, correct? And the way you just described that, you know, you constantly are seeking out ways in which you can put these success points in front of the goal. Um, that makes, I mean, that, that, that makes incredibly simple sense. Yeah. Um, and these kids don't do that enough. They they really don't because everything is hyper focused on kind of a uh, an uh, an ultimate finish line. Yeah, well, and that's that's to be expected from a fourteen year old, right? To think in sure. a linear fashion that I'm doing this to get to that, and then to get to that. And I think about Tom Brady. I, I'm not a fan necessarily. I respect, oh, but him. that dimple is Ugh. fire. But I. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that he's like 67 years old, I think, right now, and he's still, I mean, he just announced his second retirement, but... He can if, do what he wants, though. I, right, but you have to love the process. Let me and give you... That's what Wells just said. You have to enjoy eating nothing or exactly what you have to to get the exact amount of calories and the exact amount of nutrients well, and do the exact workouts. Well, let, me, let me ask you guys, okay, so uh, another individual from Hollywood... Think of Jerry Maguire, like right, Rod yeah. Tidwell, yeah, the Quan, right? We talk about <laughs> the, you know, in the movie. I mean, to, seriously, think about that. In that movie, Jerry fell in love with him because he realized that his finish line was far in front of the actual finish right. line right. of get me a new contract. Yeah, that was that was kind of like the moral of the story, like do your job. But I'm over here living a really good life. Well, and Derek Jeter was on they did that special i don't know if wells you saw that or if you're a baseball fan at all but Derek jeter uh, or yeah did the uh, hall of fame not hall of fame he was the captain of the yankees at a very young age and mvp of all these different things and they asked him like was that a goal of yours to get in the hall of fame and do these things he's like no my goal was to be the best player to help my team win period Amazing. and he went out oh every day and did that. He did and pretty good. The lagging measures were <laughs> rings 
and MVPs and Hall of Fame ballots and all these things. But at the end of the day, it does come down to that process. And I think that's something that we don't talk about enough. We talk about the fun piece because we say, oh, have fun. It's just a game. But we don't really mean it. We mean go out there and crush them so you can get the scholarship and you can do all these things. <laughs> but but the reality of it is, and that's why I love your program, Wells, is I think if we could talk about that more at an earlier age with these high-performing kids, it is about the process. Because if you don't like this, if you don't like training, you don't like working out, you don't like eating well, you are not going to advance. You're not. And if you can't find joy in that process, you're also not going to advance. It's not just how many goals you can score. And it, it, I just, I, I don't know if you can add on to that, Wells, but I, and there's not a yeah. question there. It's just. Yeah. You, well, you, you know, Michael Phelps, Simone Biles, Naomi Osaka, yeah. they're, they're all, they've all openly come out and said, some of the greatest athletes have ever walked sure. the face earth, right? They've all said, man, I struggle with depression. I struggle with anxiety. And so I think there's a there's a a myth that you can't you 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 can't be mentally tough and still struggle. You can, right? Sure. I, I'm I'm a living testament of that they're a living testament of that. So I, I think about this question all the time, and and I've come to the realization that I was obsessed with it, man. I loved soccer so much, right? And this is like, you know, this is like getting into college in uh, like year before college because before that I wasn't. I was into like drugs and alcohol and those sorts of things, right? And my life went this way, right? It's like. I spent 16 to 18 in a lockdown facility in upstate New York, you know, and I played nine years professionally. Like I think the the sharing the stories of like, cause we think there's one way, right? Oh my God, I gotta be the captain of the, of the, of the MLS Academy team where I'm never, never going to make it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, um, focusing on, focusing on the process actually allows you to get to that place. Right. In a, in a much more, in a much healthier way. And I think that's why I struggled so much when I retired because I was obsessed with it, man every meal it was it was it was i loved it i loved the process i love waking up early i love challenging my body i loved all of it right and and uh, that's why i think that like a lot of people they don't understand what it means to be a pro athlete right they just look oh my god that's cool right um so i forget what your original question was no, it wasn't really a question but <laughs> you brought up a really good point no for real and this is something i wanted to ask you about because i i heard you your story months ago about being in a lockdown state your struggles with addiction uh, and behavior, you know, later in, in high school. And then you talk about obsession. Do you find that to be a, a typical affliction of high level athletes obsession? Um, I, I'm not sure how to answer that question. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Like I, I would I hope think honestly and name names. <laughs> You don't have to. Yeah, I wasn't putting you on the spot to, to well, out anybody. So, so. Just curious because I think that I've I've heard that from several different folks that are in a similar situation or have gotten to certain levels. That obsessiveness they 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 had an addictive personality for fill in the blank. They replace yeah. it with eating right or working out or training yeah. or whatever. Do you see that as as a trait in not all, but do you see that as a trait in some of the athletes you've worked with? Or played with. I, know, I speak for myself. I, I think that it it uh it 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 helped me, but it also hurt me, right? Like he, here's and I speaking of Brant Bronico recently plays for Charlotte FC midfielder, right? I said, Brant, what would happen if Coach came in on a Thursday and said you're not starting today? And his answer shocked me, guys. Like super simple, but he goes, man, I'd, it would suck. I'd be disappointed, man. I really would. I'd, I'd, it would suck. 
I go home, maybe mention it real quick to my wife, talk to her for five minutes and I move on with it. Control what I can control. And I go, oh my gosh, it's amazing. <laughs> you know what I would do? Man, I would eat me up all practice, right? I would go home. I call my wife, talk to her for an hour. God, can you believe this? I mean, oh my God. And then I call my mom. I do the same thing. Can you believe? Then I call my dad. I do the same thing and I would just live in it. Right. So obsessive compulsive and I would just play it and then it would eat me up and eat me up and eat me up, which really hinders me from actually like being a, a positive contributor of the team sure. when I'm like game day and I'm called upon to go in and help my <laughs> yeah. team out. I'm just pissed off. Right. Coaches and starting me sucks. Get a yellow card and hurt my team. So anyway, it doesn't allow you to then uh, it robs you of joy and fulfillment in the moment. Right. And also in a lot of moments, but it doesn't allow you to respond in a healthy manner, right? Yeah. Or to get better, to contribute to your team. So, you know, it's the, the tricky part about this is there isn't a way, right? We're all different. Our brains are all different. We all respond differently to things, right? And so things that like that, that, that truth nugget from Brand Bronico to me was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing, right? And other people are like, oh, that's weird. You know, that's cool. I'd probably do the same thing, you know? Um, so, you know, I don't know if that answers your question, but I think that we're all different and we have to like, one of the things we're trying to get kids to do is take their life and their game into their own hands, right? Think about this stuff, right? Try different things, right? If you say you want to go pro the mental aspect, you got to do it. Cause if you haven't hit a wall now, you will at some point, right? Yeah. Everyone I think, hits a wall. Yeah. I mean, you, you definitely answered the question and I, I appreciate the candor. Because I know that can be a, it was kind of a, not Wait, a gotcha, well, but I, it do, was, I do have a follow up question. Go for it, it though. Um, because in the example that you gave where you reach out to mom and dad and all that stuff, because that's what you would do. The question is, would your mom and dad call your coach or U.S. <laughs> soccer and out, <laughs> out them to the national press? <laughs> or you know, no? It's funny. It's like, you, got, you, got, you guys, I mean, your, calorie, your kids are older than mine. I got an eight, six and four year old and. Man, I just, before I had kids, I said, I don't care what they do. I just want to be happy. That's a freaking lie. It is. I want them to Blatant be the best lie. athletes yeah. they could be because I see, I'm seeing now through my kids, like what it, what it, it gave me everything, right? Like yeah. it really did. Uh, people liked me because I was good at sport. Like I, I you know, it's funny. I, I make fun of myself all the time, but like my four-year-old, his first basketball season, he didn't go in the whole first game because he was scared. The second game he went in, but he ran away from the ball. Didn't want to touch it, you know? Mm -hmm. But you know what I did after the game in the car? I said, next time you go in the game, son, you need to do this, this, and this. And my wife's like, he just got in the game. Just be happy for him. You know, like, what are you doing? <laughs> baby steps. You know, baby oh steps, my. dad. Yeah. <laughs> don't have so, those. Yeah, so it, it, it is a sober reality. I've been the crazy parent. I'm like chucking baseballs at my son, you know, and um, it, it's a sober reality. It's hard. you know. Just give him a glove next time. I mean, it doesn't have to be that that dangerous yeah well <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You know, untie his hands from the fence before you throw the ball you know <laughs> so before, right before i jumped on the podcast um we had dinner as a family my oldest son just starts crying you know eight years old and you know the you know what i want to do guys i want to rescue him yep i want to jump in i want to go oh yep. my god let me just take this from you you yep. know and I'm like, so it's, you know, I'm just, it is, uh, you know, we talk about this all the time. And if we could only live what we preach, yeah, right? Oh like that's gosh. what I'm trying to do. The, the, the issues that I left on the soccer field, I, oh, I didn't leave them on the soccer field. Actually, I'm still working through them, right? And sure. I used to think I left them on the soccer field, but they're actually still with me. You know, I'm still trying to process and yeah. work through them and those sorts of things. So, well, lifelong journey. 
as as older parents, we, we can give you a little uh, nugget of advice here. Because mm-hmm. how, how eight, six, and four, right? How, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So add another eight years to each of them, and you will be the one crying and <laughs> locking the front door. <laughs> so it is temporary. Um, I do have a quick question here, and then we're we're gonna we're gonna have to uh, roll out of here because we do have to pick our kids yeah. up eventually. Here, uh, you mentioned your New England playing days. Uh, did did you play with Taylor? Was Taylor on? Yeah. The, <clears throat> so, uh, what do you think of this the St. Louis chemistry? And, and <laughs> choose your answer properly yeah, because I, was waiting for yeah. I can this edit time. this podcast. <laughs> yeah. What, what what is the question? Uh, St. Question? Louis, like, how much do you love oh, St. Yeah. Louis players? Right. I mean. So, <laughs> I you'll know me. I'm like very open and honest. And I was at we work with Wake Forest men's soccer, the greatest soccer program in history. Right. Second and, to slew. Uh, right. And, and we're talking about we're talking about leadership, right? And um, and and I have a picture of Taylor Twelman up there. And Taylor Twelman was probably no joke my least favorite teammate, no joke, least favorite teammate. And uh, but I blame it on myself. I'm not saying it was him. He was one of the greatest players, hands down, one of the greatest players I've ever played with. Um, but you know, going from like a, an environment of Wake where like everyone loves everyone, it's kind of family, you know, and like, it, and then I go in and Taylor's just. He, he's, he, he came from Germany, you know, and he just wants to yell at you. And that was really hard for me. And so I, I, I was one of those that like, I didn't respond well that way, but I also didn't have the foresight, like extreme ownership, uh, dichotomy of leadership, the, the books by uh, Leif Babin and Jocko Willink are some of my favorites. And I, I take responsibility for my uh, relationship with Taylor Tolman because as opposed to taking him by the side or going out to lunch or a coffee with him, I would just try to headbutt him in practice. Right. And he retired because of concussions. Right. So like you can see that there were some animosity, there were some issues there, but I didn't handle it like a man. So this is where I share with guys. Right. And, and, and go, Hey guys, if you have a problem with the teammate, talk to him, right. Yeah. Be a leader. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, take them by the side and, and and have these issues because we believe that like a team that loves each other and cares for each other is actually going to achieve a lot more, right? They're going to go a little bit further for their teammates. And, and the profe- it was, it was difficult for me. It was my first, you know, year as a professional and I, I didn't handle it well. So hats <laughs> off to him. I think he's, he's, I mean, honestly, guys, hand, hands down one of, one of the best players I've ever played with his, his will, his, desire to compete in, in, in everything and in practice and games. I loved it. Right. But I just didn't, we didn't mesh well and we didn't, we didn't, we didn't, so, we weren't so, great team. <clears throat> well, he, I mean, he probably ate an, an insane amount of Provel cheese as a child. Well, that's, yeah. that, but did, you know that what? didn't help either. You know who else? <laughs> he, this is another St. Louis product with Steve Ralston. And uh-huh. he as well is, uh, he was one of my really good friends on the team. And he, again, they, they were like, the freaking St. Louis connection up there in New England, you know, like, oh, yeah. Uh, so, anyway, yeah, St. Louis is great, guys. <laughs> you guys are a bunch of class acts down there in that arch city. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we actually had that's how I lost my five, I lost the final four in St. Louis, UC Santa Barbara and PKs in St. Louis. Mm. So, well, we'll yeah. we'll let the Wake Forest comment slide since we're in slew country here. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we'll go from there. Wells, thank yeah. you. Uh, really, yeah. really appreciate your time uh, and insight, you know, in conversation here. Um, I, I guarantee uh, people are going to take value from this and, you know, a little bit of self-reflection. Um, but pr- probably not Jared, 
but uh, <laughs> no, he's our co-host. We had we have bus one because he'll listen to this in his car ride, and in about I don't know seven seconds, I'll be getting a text in real time from this podcast. Very likely, yeah. So anything, Wells, you want to plug real real fast, yeah. and we'll put the link to Soccer Resilience in our our Correct. show notes and and send it out. Yeah. But anything else you want to to push out while we're if anybody made it this far, but we can add it. <laughs> yeah, all three. Yeah, no, no. I appreciate you guys. I've had fun. You guys are fun and funny. You don't know how people laugh at your jokes, but I was laughing, so I enjoy this. Uh, no, I think of St. Louis as our ideal client, and and what I say by that is because leadership really believes and supports what we do, and so um, and and that's uh, I'm not gonna say abnormal, but like really in order for we believe that coaches and you Morgan talked about this, right. Uh, or you were talking about this with Josh Sargent and, and the impact of coaches and, and, and John Hackworth on Josh and um, you know, coaches have so much uh, ability to impact people, right. Positive and negative. Right. And so we, you often hear about the negative um, but it's so cool to have a program like St. Louis that actually supports what we do and pushes it down to the players and there's accountability and that sort of thing. We really think that in order to make this change, right? Because guys, look, I mean, even before COVID, we're in a 40 or 50 year upswing of depression, anxiety, suicide, right? Sports, the greatest Nelson, Nelson Mandela. Right. We believe sports the greatest opportunity to change the world. And there needs to be some sort of, um, you know, uh, I don't know, initiative or continued support in order to holistically care for kids, right? Because a lot of kids are not having great experiences. Um, and also coaches aren't, I, that was, you, you can't leave an open ended question like that with me because I'll just babble on, <laughs> uh, but, uh, St. Louis rocks. We love, no, like, look, our heart is to help people and to give back. And, um, we're just so thankful for the opportunity. Well, you're appreciating it. <clears throat> yeah. So here, here's what we're going to do for you. We're going to, we're going to make sure and, um, take your social tags. We'll put them out there. Uh, so when, when you guys get a chance, get off the pod, uh, jump online, give them a follow. Um, Wells, thank you. I'm sure we're going to cross paths again, um, you know, in the future through our group sessions or, you know, if you're, if you're ever here in the Midwest, we'll, we'll have some of that Provel cheese and <laughs> tea wraps and beers. Um, appreciate your time. Thank you. Tell Morgan. Thank you. We'll circle back around. We'll have to do this again, maybe later in the year, kind of get caught up um, because these stories are kind of um evergreen very much and parents kids they all need to kind of chew on it a little bit so <clears throat> thank you for your time and um yep. let's see here what you play, I, I was just gonna ask you gonna play an out song yeah i mean you sending you, off song yeah how about uh let's 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 stay in <laughs> are you you're you're a fan in the 80s i'm assuming uh maybe yeah, no not really no, that was a no. Too bad, though. Here we go. Don't discriminate with me. There we go. We'll go with another one. A little Def Leppard. That all right with you? Oh, yeah. Man. There we go. Thanks, Wells. Be good. Uh, sorry we kept you. Um, t- tell your wife we're sorry that we kept you past uh, putting the bedtime. Uh, so we owe her one. Take care, Wells. Thanks, sir. Thanks guys. All right. Bye-bye. See ya.